Hey everybody, we continue our read through the New Testament. Today are, we are in Revelation 3, which gives us the final three letters to the seven churches. And begins with the church in Sardis. To the angel in the church in Sardis, write the words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember then what you received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. Yet you have still a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments, yet they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot out his name in the book of life. I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. And he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So here we see the main problem with the church in Sardis, is that though it has the reputation of being alive, it is dead. It's dead. It is a dead church. There is there is. Little to no faithfulness there, no little to no heart for Christ. It is a, a church that has outwardly made itself look good, look as if it is alive, look as if it is doing something, but deep down it is a rotten corpse. It is a whitewashed tomb that has death housed within it. It is called to wake up and strengthen what remains for it's about to die. The Lord says he has not found their works complete. He calls them to remember what they received and heard to keep it and repent. The call here is to wake up. They are in their complacency, in their ideas of going through the motions, in their, in their uh, praise from the world. Maybe perhaps even their praise from other churches for seeing their actions and thinking that there is something good about them. But they have forgotten the word. They have abandoned Christ. And as such, he says to them that if they do not wake up and repent, he will come like a thief. He will come against them, a picture of judgment. But he tells us that there are a few who remain there, a remnant, a faithful remnant, who has not soiled their garments and they are to continue to walk with him in white and they are worthy these are those who remain faithful to the lord who stand by him and for him no matter what who do not get fooled by exterior acts but have a heart that is totally and fully surrendered to christ in this promise the one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments and i will never blot their name out of the book of life I will confess his name before my fathers and before his angels. This idea of looking alive on the outward appearance is that picture that they have received the praise of men. That they have been commended by men for perhaps their actions, their good works, and everything else in between. But they have forgotten their God and as such, they will be denied by him on the day of judgment. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity, for I never knew you. But those who stand for him, those who walk faithfully in him and with him, they will be clothed in white garments. They will never be blotted out of the book of life. They will be confessed before the Father by the Lord himself. It is these who only seek the approval of their Lord, not the praise of men. He who has an ear, let him hear. Then to the church in Philadelphia, 
And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write the words of the Holy One, the true one, who has key, the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you. Because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold fast to what you have so that no one may seize your crown. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it, and I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven and my own new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. So this time the Lord introduces himself to the church of Philadelphia as the one who has the key of David, that is the keys of the kingdom, right? This is the eternal kingdom and that which he opens, no one can shut and that which he shuts, no one can open. The picture of his exclusive right to Bring in to bring those in to his eternal kingdom and to exclude those who he chooses. He tells them that I know your works. Behold, I set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. This is a picture of evangelism. He is opening up the door of evangelism. Paul uses the same language uh, when he refers to Corinth in the book of Acts that God has had let an open door to the Gentiles there. This is a picture of ministry. God is opening the door. He is gathering his people there through the ministry and work of the church in Philadelphia. He says that you've little power, yet you kept my word and have not denied my name. In other words, they are not looking at the exterior things. They are not worried about what they have or what they don't have. All they are doing is being faithful with the word of God, faithful in their witness and in God uses that faithfulness in a mighty way to bring many into them. He says that because of their faithfulness, he will bring, up, bring about a great reversal. Those of the synagogue of, of the Satan, that is those unbelieving Jews, these those Jews who have rejected Jesus, right? They will come and bow down before your feet. They will learn that I have loved you. This is something that is common throughout Revelation is these reversals. Those which once oppressed the saints will celebrate them, will will bow, will, will vindicate that their that those saints were indeed in truth, that those saints were indeed correct in their faithfulness to the Lord. He says, because of you, I kept my word about patient endurance, I'll keep you from the hour of trial. This is the picture that they will not fall away. They will not become apostate. The Lord will keep them. He will preserve them. He will not lose one of them. It is not that they are just going to be taken out of any kind of serious situation. Rather, they will be kept from being lost in the trial, lost from the tribulation. They will be preserved by the strong hand of the Lord. While the world comes under the judgment of God, they will not. They will be preserved from that and only will know His redemption. He says, I'm coming soon. This one, this glorious reality of the imminence and the nature of the fact that he will return and that we are to be prepared, to be awake, to be ready, to hold fast what you have, he says, so that no one can seize your crown. The one who conquers, I'll make him a pillar in the temple of my God. That is the picture of his body. This is a firm, founding, unshakable pillar of 
truth that cannot be broken down. That's the picture here that he's given to the church of Philadelphia. Never shall he go out of it, and I will write on him the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven in my own new name. You'll see this clearly in Revelation 21 and 22. This is the picture for those who continue to stand fast. They will be planted firmly, and they will never be removed from the dwelling place of God forever and always. And so they can stand fast knowing that God will empower faithfulness, their faithfulness to be used in a mighty way for the gathering of his people and that they will be made a pillar of eternity in the house of God, in the house of the Lord, because they will never be removed, never be shaken because they were not in this life. Finally, and probably one of the most well-known, the church in Laodicea. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither hot nor cold. Would that you were either hot, cold, or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich, and white garments, so that you may clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes, so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be jealous, or so be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and eat he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on the throne as I also conquered and sat down with him, my father on his throne. He who has ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So here to the letter at Laodicea, he refers to himself as the Amen, the faithful and true witness. This is a picture of his unwavering stance as the yes and amen of all of God's truth. He is the fullness of God's witness, the beginning of God's new creation. All of it is found completely and fully in Him. And this is in contrast to the church at Laodicea, who it says that you are neither hot nor cold. Now this is important because where Laodicea was located, it required... um, water to be brought in through this very long pipe system that had been established there. And these pipes were often filled with rust and they had to be carried a long way off. And so whether they took the water from hot springs or whether they took them from more cold natural springs, you know, or things like that, by the time the water had got to Laodicea, it was nasty. It was it, it it tasted bitter and it was just this meaty like this kind of tepid, nasty tasting water and it caused many to be disgusted by it. Many there, most people refused to drink any of it and and that's why it was so disgusting. And this is the picture. The Lord is using this concept here that would have been very common to those in Laodicea to give an example of what they have become to him. They are neither cold and providing that kind of refreshing, uh, wonderful tasting water that is a great reprieve or relief 
to those who take of it, nor are they like hot springs, which have medicinal purposes and, 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 and provide that kind of healing uh, concept to them. They provide nothing. They're tepid and they're nasty. And because of that, they are to be spit out. This is a church that has become uh, complacent in their external status, their riches. They've been crippled by their comfort. It says, for you say, I am rich. I have prospered and need nothing. But realizing that you are not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. In other words, you look at your your commercial success. You look at all of your comfort and you think that you're good. You think that you're rich, but you've got nothing to offer. You offer nothing to no one. You, you can't give anything to anyone because you've got nothing. You can't give what you don't have. You don't have any dependence on me. You don't long for me, yearn for me. You've been crippled by your comfort. And as such, I, I seek to spew you out. You are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. He says, I counsel you to buy from me gold, quoting Isaiah here, refined by fire. So that you may be rich, white garments, so that you may clothe yourself in shame of your nakedness and not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. In other words, stop going after the things the world offers you and come after me. Take from me that which I give, that which will clothe you for eternity, that which will open your eyes that you may see, that which can provide healing, that which can restore you to the fullest of place, that which can cover the shame of your pride and your foolishness. The Lord does all of this. He says all of this. He is harsh in these letters, not because he is a a wicked or harsh master, but because he is a loving father. The Lord disciplines those he loves. He wishes to teach them truth that they might have eternal life and walk with him forever. But for those who will remain walking away, those who remain in apostate status, they show that they truly never were among them. They never were among the true, say, truly saved, just as John had said elsewhere. He calls them to be zealous, to repent. He stands at the door knocking, and if anyone hears his voice and opens the door, he says, I'll come in and eat with them and he with me. Notice the context of this message that is so often used in the text of individual evangelism. It actually has nothing to do with that. This text is about a wayward church. The Lord says, I stand there and I'm ready to be led. And if you let me in, I will eat with you. I will come into this church. If it will open its doors to me, if it will once again open up to the reality that I am the bridegroom. But if it will not, it will be sped out. Oh, how many churches I believe the Lord is once again knocking on the door to say, let me back in this place. Because they have forsaken him. Because of that, they are neither hot nor cold. But those who have ears to hear, oh, let the Lord come in once again. Let the Lord fill the pulpit of our churches. Let the Lord be the center of our small groups, the Lord and his word. Let us not build our programs for programs sake, but let all things be centered on the basis of the word of God for the glory of of God. The one who conquers will sit with the Lord on his throne, for he has conquered. Let us pray as we look to the story and the messages of all these churches. All of them are a picture and a message that are 
that is pertinent and relevant to the universal church in all ages. No matter where you find your current church or where you are, somewhere, somewhere in these churches you are described. And the call is for us to remain faithful, to endure and persevere to the end, knowing that Christ provides and gives all that we need to be faithful to Him, faithful in our witness, faithful to the finish. God bless.